Welcome to WLRN. I have some some of the organizers of the What is Gender conference that happened in London on September 13th on the line. And uh, their names are Trixie and Ruby. And I also have Julia Long on the line who was a speaker at the conference. So beginning with you, Trixie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the What is Gender conference that happened on September 13th in London? Well, uh, I helped organize the event with my with a couple of my good friends, um, Tennis and Ruby. And, yeah, it kind of ended up being much more dramatic than we thought it would be. <laughs> but I guess it's kind of quite predictable. What, what got you interested in organizing a conference like this? I've been interested, I've been following the trans thing for a while, and I've seen how it's been sort of skewing on the internet, um, in certain corners of the internet. I got really into Magdalene Burns and her YouTube channel, her fantastic YouTube channel. And I kind of caught the, the gender critical bug, and I started talking to my friend Dennis about it about a year ago at our local pub. So, you started talking about the topic of gender and transgenderism with your friend at the pub. And that and, and those conversations and what you were seeing on the internet led you to want to organize this conference. Is that right? Well, I started talking to Venice about this subject about a year ago when we were at the pub one night. And she 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 agreed with me. I actually, I wrote some, I, I wrote some naughty graffiti in the toilets. I wrote, all boys are smelly, even boys in dresses. This was after overdosing on Magdalene Burns' YouTube videos for about two months. And it kind of sprang out of me. And I, I wrote this, uh, I wrote this on the wall in the toilets. And it caused a bit of a stir in the, in the local community. Uh, and every, everybody was wondering who had written it. And I ended up. Uh, you know, I'm speaking to Venice about it, and she she agreed with me, but she didn't really believe me about the misogyny on the left. And you know, I think in, until you've kind of experienced all this stuff firsthand, it does all sound a bit kind of a bit crazy. <laughs> so she 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 kind of she agreed with me, but she didn't quite believe in it all. And then when the gender identity, uh, the gender recognition act was announced. Well, well, when Theresa May announced that um, she would be looking into it in the next parliament, and Jeremy, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is behind it as well. So we've got both the left and the right in the UK both backing this legislation, and it, it looks like it's on the cards now. You know, it's going to happen, and we, we've been watching Canada and Ireland, and you know what's going on in the US, and we know that this is about to hit us. And um, yeah, when that was kind of when that came out as the headlines, well, it came out in the news that this was going to be on the cards in the next parliament. Venice snapped into action, <laughs> and she was like, "You're right about this. This is this is a big thing." And I was like, "Yep." And so she's really great at organising. She's got loads of energy, and um, she's well known in the community. She's got like she's got links and contacts, and she she knew the um, she. She's got a lot of experience with new cross learning. She's she's uh, run sort of art workshops there and 
doing a lot of uh, community stuff in that. Um, it's a community centre. It's not funded by the council or anything. It's an independent community library that was that was almost shut down a few years ago, and they fought to keep it open and successfully. Like we still we still have it. Luckily, this place. And uh, she's confronted the people there, and she said, "Oh well, you know, let's do let's do a talk. What is gender?" And so I went along with her and she had and I thought, yeah, great, let's do this. I've got I've got a partner in crime. <laughs> was um, the uh, so, was the original intention for the conference to be for women only at the community library or was it open to anyone who wanted to come? No, it was um no, it was it was open to everyone. The idea was to really start this conversation start this conversation. Um and yeah, it was definitely open to everyone. It was not a women-only thing. Mm -hmm. And then going back a little bit to what you were saying, what was the phrase that you wrote in the toilet that caused a stir in your community? I mean, all boys are smelly, even boys in dresses. <laughs> and that okay, wow, all right. <laughs> And so someone got upset about it, and they and they thought Venice had written it, and um, yeah, it's funny how this stuff can cause such a stir, you know, like <laughs> right, right. It is. It's quite surprising unless you have yeah. with witnessed it firsthand. So Ruby, um, can you introduce yourself and say how you got involved with the What Is Gender conference? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm Ruby. I work with Trixie. I mean, I think it would be fair to say Trixie works for me, although <laughs> that's changed a little bit lately and now we just work together I was on, on whatever it is we're doing. She started working for me a few months ago, so I'm very new to all of this. Um, I've heard Venice speaking about it a bit um, in the last year. She's also a really close friend of mine. So I was aware of it as an issue, but to be honest, it hadn't really penetrated into my consciousness. It was just something that occasionally Venice would talk about. And then Trixie came to work to me and she would talk about it and we would have conversations. But I had all of the sort of, I suppose, typically liberal questions about it all. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, I see what you mean, but what about this? Yeah, I see what you mean, but shouldn't we be sympathetic and nice? Um, and I kept up with that for quite a while but sort of started to do a little bit of reading myself on the internet. Uh, and once you start to do that, it is a bit of a rabbit hole that you fall into. But once you start seeing what other people are saying about it. And so, I, I, you know, I'm starting to think about it a bit more seriously as an issue. But the thing that really made the penny drop for me was when I had a family dinner where I simply tried to explain what the issue was to them about the GRA. And I didn't even really at that point have a very strong position on it. But in trying to explain explain it, I was suddenly confronted with a reaction that really shocked me, which was that my mom and my sisters, who, you know, I'm close to and who don't really have any involvement in any of this or any particular interest other than what they've read maybe in newspapers and magazines, suddenly reacting to my suggestion that self-ID might be a problem with this kind of look of horror towards me as though I was being really bigoted by saying this. And so I started to get a little bit kind of defensive and tried to explain myself. And, and the conversation, I and mean, it didn't turn into a full-blown argument, but it was when my sister started saying to me, but trans women are women, and kind of parroting that thing which is, you know, repeated so often on the internet. But the penny kind of dropped just how far 
the ideology has spread into people's minds and unquestioningly they say these things and I didn't even know where they got it from you know my, my, my mom and my sisters haven't been on forums discussing all of this stuff they just picked it up from the ether so that started to make me take it a little bit more seriously and then all of a sudden the event was happening I knew it was happening I had no nothing to do with actually setting it up but I was working with Chipsy and Venice would come over and see us sometimes and suddenly I, I offered to help write some literature for it because I'd read quite a lot by that point. So we're getting the literature ready and then that's when everything kicked off with trans activists trying to shut it down and that's when everything started to change and suddenly it became a different kind of issue about being suppressed and how important it was not to let people do that to you. So now I find myself speaking to you on the radio, it seems a bit strange, because two months ago, I literally didn't know anything about any of this. Mm -hmm. So it's safe to say that the organizers of this event were a friendship group, women who were starting to hear rumblings about gender and this new legislation that's being pushed by both the conservatives and the liberals, and you just got together and wanted to find out more and have an open discussion with all sides represented. Is that I think pretty that much fair to say, yeah. Oh. It happens fairly organically. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. It happened fairly organically. Julia Long, how did you get involved with the conference? Yeah, so hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for this interview. Yeah, I said like, my position is a little bit different because I've been involved in trying to raise awareness around this whole kind of uh, transgender agenda for a number of years. I guess dating back to 2012 when um, I was organizing a conference called Rev 2012, which uh, transgender activists were determined to get shut down. So, you know, so I had experience of, um, of this very uh, hostile climate and this very seriously anti-woman and anti-feminist climate and all the problems of a, you know a, a lot of the mainstream feminist movement actually being uh, quite persuaded by the transgender ideology so since then I've been involved in various actions and other conferences etc so you know I'm, I'm fairly well acquainted now with the kinds of tactics and the really often quite shocking um, hostility and uh, very misogynist and sort of threatening language that uh, transgender activists um, unfortunately tend to use whenever you try to raise a question around, um, around where we're heading with all this legislation. So my involvement with the conference was, um, was really because with me, I can't remember, maybe like a couple of months ago and said if I want to come and speak at this event and I was really uh, I was really grateful to her for giving me the opportunity and I was delighted to, to take that up so that was how come I was involved with it but I wasn't on in any way on the front line of the organising like she uh, and Ruby and, and Venice were so I was just kind of scheduled to speak at it and then I saw the whole thing unfold in terms of, you know, they'd, they'd um, invited a couple of speakers from the, you know, more from the sort of like uh, transgender lobby side to come and speak, a couple of speakers from Stonewall, and then they dropped out of it, invitation if anyone else wanted to come, and nobody did, and um, 
and so then it was going to be, uh, uh, I guess, a kind of awareness raising awareness raising event with uh, myself and this man who called himself a transsexual, trans, uh, uh, Miranda Yardley, was going to be speaking at it as well. Who is very critical of the way that the, you know, the law is going or the legislations of, you know, the legislation being proposed, and is very critical of the way that the whole kind of transgender agenda is is shaping up over here. So that was what it was going to be. But obviously, the, I think the way that it unfolded, really probably none of us could have predicted the, the absolutely, you know, harassment of the library, the community library in New Cross. And then I have to say the organisers did an absolutely amazing job of then within, like within less than 24 hours, securing a new venue and then of course we had to have this meeting point the meeting point was very symbolic being speakers corner and being Hyde Park which was the center of a huge suffragette rally you know um, yeah, sort of back in those days and then the way that all the events unfolded since then I think is could have uh, could have predicted and Julia you were a part of the thinking differently conference that was also held in London correct were there any trans activists that attacked that conference? No, and that's, I have to say, but I find really, um, really quite bemusing actually that we, given, like, given my previous experience, when I, um, I mean, there were a number of us who organized Fantasy 2012, but I think it's fair to say I was the lead organizer. That, that event was, you know, it's kind of my vision and something that I, um, that I really wanted to do. And subject to such, I mean, we were absolutely besieged, and um, you know, the venue pulled out, and we had to find another one, and you know, all of this five years ago. So I have to say, it was quite amazing to me that the thinking differently went ahead with really um, no really kind of serious efforts of uh, obstructing that, and we, we, you know, we had. Sheila Jeffries speaking at that, Julie Bindle was speaking at that, and you know various other women who've you know who've again encountered a lot of tea like Mary Lou Singh. So, um, so I have to say that kind of remains, uh, you know, I'm very I'm very glad that it that it happened without this kind of you know big you know effort of obstruction which we seem to get. But yeah, that that went off relatively smoothly and. It, I think, you know, if I can say, I think that really did serve to to awaken a lot of women and, you know, maybe other kind of interested parties to what was going on in terms of the whole um, transgender movement, the proposals around the new legislation, the, the recommendations from the Maria Miller report, which was there last year. Um, the that those presentations from Thinking Differently went up online and so were widely available. I would like to think that they did contribute to raising awareness of what's happening and the case of all of this stuff, particularly for women and also I'd say for, particularly for children in terms of the normalization of this notion that, you know, it's such a thing as, as transgenderism and that you can, you know, you can be born in the wrong body and you know, there were kind of, uh, you know, um, 
uh, you know, hormonal remedies for that, you know, this sort of thing. I think, um, I think hopefully it's served to, to awaken a, a broader kind of constituency to, to what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And what year did the Thinking Differently conference happen in? That was uh, just last year. That was last summer, so just over a year ago now. Okay, 2016. What was different about the What is Gender conference? Was it in the title? I mean, you don't see the word gender or trans in the title of Thinking Differently. I mean, is it something as simple as that, or is there some sort of timing I mean, I wonder wonder what Trixie and Ruby think. I think one of the things, it it just sort of depends what gets picked up, up because obviously once things hit social media in a certain way, then things get very kind of amplified and very accelerated. And I, you know, to me, I think it's possibly to do with the location, because the location was very near to Goldsmiths College, and Goldsmiths College is is probably, I would say, the centre for queer and transgender politics in terms of higher education in this country. And so I think it was to do with the fact that it was kind of right on their doorstep. It made it a very easy target. But I don't know maybe what Trixie and Ruby think about that. Yeah, well, the title, What is Gender?, for the event, you know, it's, it's it's a question. It's not even a statement. It's a question. We're not even allowed to ask that question. You know, that question is silent and considered hateful to even ask. But it, it's it's not even a statement. It's just a question, and it's an mm-hmm. important question. It's the kind of key question because gender identity is actually a new. It's a, it's a new interpretation of what gender is. It's actually kind of regressive, regressing back to the old ideas about, you know, essentialism and, and, and pink and blue brains and things. But, you know, so going back on the feminist definition of gender, that women, women, you know, they, they fought so hard to prize apart and make this analysis that gender is a social concept that oppresses women and that's why it's there and it's the backbone of patriarchy. And, and this has been forgotten, and now everybody believes that gender is in your head. And it's a real mm-hmm. thing. And, and um, something um, that we all have that we need to express. <laughs> yeah, it's an identity. And mm-hmm. um, people don't realize that that's actually quite a new idea. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also a hot topic at the moment. So, you know, this question, it, it, it draws a lot of attention. It's a real hot potato if you just ask this question. Mm-hmm. What is gender? And and it causes such an uproar and it's because it's because they don't want us to ask that question, obviously, because right. when you ask that question, you find that there's actually there's actually different just definitions of gender available. So it's a combination of things that happened that made this particular conference a target and maybe we'll never know exactly why. When and how did you first hear of trans activists planning to get the conference deplatformed, and what did you do when you started hearing about it? Ruby, why don't you take that one? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's Ruby here. I think the first thing we heard was when Sisters on Cut contacted the library. They are a, are they a direct, you know, direct action kind of? group to deal with cuts to domestic violence services. Um, and 
I think the first I heard of it personally was Venice maybe coming even into where me and Trixie work and saying that the library has started to receive phone calls. And that sort of built up over the, the two days beforehand, and that particularly the day beforehand, they were receiving phone calls, tweets, emails, and even a couple of people coming in person to say that they ought to cancel it. And initially, you know, Venice was sure that they wouldn't do it. You know, they, they were outraged that they were being pressured into doing this. But as it built up and up over the day, and there were more of these phone calls and meetings, um, I mean, they were constant. We were also checking at that time social media once we realized that this was happening. And that's when we started to see also tweets from Sisters Uncut, from Goldsmiths, I think LGBT, from Lewisham and Action for Trans Health. Um, who are the ones that organised the sort of main uh, group of people to come. Initially, they were going to protest it at the library. Um, and then by that evening of the day before the event was when the library finally capitulated, because I think they had to have some kind of board meeting. And other people, you know, obviously they've got their own interests as a small community library. They didn't want things getting broken. They didn't want a big fuss. Um, and they didn't want, you know, local students to be harassing them so they eventually caved in and that was the night before and there was a sort of you know typical kind of triumph online yes we've got it shut down I think there was a few particularly nasty tweets about making turf afraid so we saw all of this and we were obviously kind of in pieces but we that, that evening it was almost like that that happening is what galvanized us to, to really continue the three of us just sitting there saying we're going to just we're going to just give up then no, we're not. Let's find another venue. Uh huh. And so you found another venue and decided to yeah. not publicize that location, but rather to publicize that you would be meeting up at Speaker's Corner and then mm-hmm. taking taking conference goers to the secret location. But what, how did you decide, as a group of three organizers, on that plan? You must have known that the trans activists would know that they could just go to Speaker's Corner and confront you there. Well, uh, this is Tracy here. Um, we were really, like, we, the, the library council that took us late notice, you know, and we, we just had to think about, well, we, this has got, we've got to put this on, and we were thinking we had to find a new venue. And obviously, we couldn't use another community venue. It, it, they're too easily bullied. Like so, we thought, well, a private venue is our own Yeah, we uh, online in one of the rad fan groups online, a woman contacted us who was actually a member of a, a private ladies' club in Mayfair. <laughs> it was in a very posh part of London, and she said, "I'm I'm a member of this club, so you can you know you can use you can use one of the meeting rooms in in the clubhouse <laughs> on my name kind of thing." So and that just happened to be near Speaker's Corner, and it was it was it was a stroke of, of genius deciding to meet at Speaker's Corner because obviously it's got all this historical significance, and you know we're literally being silent, so it was really apt, and you know yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so, speech and so we were really just focused. We were just focused on getting this venue. Everything was happening so fast. There were these trans activists online, like just getting crazier and crazier. We'd, we'd been in meetings with Goldsmith University, the education officer, and uh, we, we, we went and spoke to her. She was she was trying to, you know, persuade us to cancel because all her students were so 
the, the people that, and I mean, we advertised the event originally. It was the whole point of it was is that it was open to the community. It was open to everyone, including trans activists. And you know, uh, it was originally built as a discussion between Stonewall and Miranda and Julia. Maybe they called it at the last minute. We know that. And well, in the end, the people that turned up at Speakers Corner were all women. You know, they were all rap fans. Um, because everybody, I think all the people who were just people from the community that were going to come from Newcastle, I think, you know, they all been a bit frightened by it all. So, it was so you really had fewer attendees. Women. We were all women. We were all women. You were all women, not, not by design, but, but that's who showed up. Yeah. And there were fewer, fewer attendees than there would have been if the conference had not been attacked. Cecil, maybe can, uh, can I can I chip in here a little bit? It's, it's Julia speaking yes. now. I just I just want to say a little bit about what happened at Speakers Corner because I think it's really really important that your listeners um, have some sense of that. I actually can't say too much because I'm a police witness, so I can't say sort of too much about the details of it. But as a witness for those events, I have to say it was it was absolutely shocking what happened because you know i know that you're no stranger to these threats and obviously the organizers are no stranger to these threats but you know it's 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 quite a different thing to see this really hateful you know misogyny you know this kind of you know threat these threats of violence on on twitter and then suddenly for that to be realised, I have to say, was something that was absolutely shocking. And I agree with what Trixie was saying. I think it was only really the next day that it started to sink in what had happened because it was really, really shocking. You know, there was one uh, one of the women, one of the women who was who would um, come along that she wasn't particularly part of the event. You know, to as a as a member of the audience to attend the event, and as the uh, trans activists were getting kind of more agitated and chanting, etc. She was uh, filming that, and then she was she was set upon. And as I say, because I'm a witness, I can't go into too detail. But then when I saw the you know the trans activists, well, one in particular throwing punches is absolutely vicious way it, it it was i can see that in you know i can sort of see that now in front of my eyes and it was it was really shocking and it was like all the things that we've ever heard about you know kill all turfs and you know slit their throats and die in a fire it was it was really shocking to witness a woman you know it happened so quickly but to see that it was something that i know i will never forget and I and I think for all of us that really that really has been um, a kind of I don't know uh, like a sort of a, a, a watershed moment in in realizing that actually that these are not all threats and you know there's there's nothing to me that distinguishes those threats and that actuality that actualizing of those threats from any other form of male violence that, you know, that we're all you know, very, very uh, familiar with. So I just wanted to really make that point because it was really shocking, it was horrific, and it was a reality of male violence that we all witnessed that night. And I really want to make sure that, you're, that, 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 that happened.
Yeah, and do you think it's um, a game changer? Because up until this point with this particular conference and the violence that happened, we has, as feminists have been seeing a lot of violent threats online and, like you said, phrases mm. like punch, turf, die in a fire, stuff like that. But I think a lot of us have thought that that's people behind the keyboard and they, you know, it's not going to translate into real life. But mm. that this was, this was mm. like a wake-up call for us. Do you think mm. it's a game changer? I, I, well, I really do. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of unbelievable to me that any, that any woman, well, anyone, but any woman in particular can look at that and not see it for what it is. And I think, I don't know how much you've seen of the, of the video footage that's gone out now, but, you know, there's video of a young woman, I believe she was from Sisters Uncut, I'm not entirely sure of that, but, you know, she was saying, oh, I'm glad you got and this kind of thing, but it's really staggering to me how anyone can see that and not use it for the the mass that it is. And there was an absolutely brilliant video that came out a couple of days later called uh, "24 Hours on Twitter," documents the responses from trans activists and even in some cases, I believe, uh, groups, you know, sort of transgender uh, lobby groups that were really glorying and reveling in that violence. And I think that's something that, that we really need to be aware of and really need to, to take on board, that not only did that violence happen, that there were a lot of people who were actually, you know, really reveling in it, which is, you know, even more horrific. So I think on the on the good side, some of the mainstream media, I mean, as Trixie was saying, like, basically, up to now, and you know yourself, it's all like, everyone's been against us, you know, all the, you know, the left, a lot of the mainstream feminists, you know, we've been absolute pariahs in this, and um, I think one of the good things that has come about in the wake of this is that the media have actually started to cover this issue and to say, well, basically to um, to publicise the fact that, that um, male violence against a woman did occur and that it has either, at best, has not been condemned by LGBT groups and actually by women's groups either, largely, and also, even worse, it's been absolutely, you know, hailed and, and gloried in trans activists so I think I think it's really important that we're starting to get that coverage and it's really essential that um wake up to what's going on. Trixie you'd like to talk a little bit more about what happened at Speaker's Corner? Yeah so we've been getting all the threats from sisters and her and from these trans activists online everyone was saying let's go and punch it to blah blah and we didn't really take it serious well I mean I had a kind of sick feeling to be honest but you know, the institutions were against us, all these kids were against us. But it wasn't until we actually arrived at Speaker's Corner, me, Ruby and Venice, um, about, about an hour before the meeting was to, was announced. And um, we got there and we, we saw a bunch of Russians and we, we got together with them saying hi, like, you know, introducing ourselves and stuff. And then Venice said, Trixie, look behind you. And I looked behind us and there was there was a there was a girl stood behind us on her phone and she was clearly 
spying on her. She was, yeah, it was quite obvious that she was on the trans activist side. And then I kind of senses pricked up, and you know when you have that feeling of being watched. And we we thought, okay, let's let's split, let's just let's move along and 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 stand somewhere else. So we we walked around and we went and sat down in Hyde Park on these steps and smoking a cigarette. And and I noticed there were a couple more stood there looking at us and um, men this time. And I just got this really dark feeling, and that's when it really kind of that that's when I got this realization that it's this weird mixture of this kind of um histrionic teenage kind of childishness, but there's also this really dark like violent undercurrent to it, and that you know that's the real male violence it's male, you know it's like you can feel it. We were being we were being stalked by men. We, we were mm-hmm. being watched by these men who were like stood there with their sunglasses on, like spying on us. And um, you know, it's it's pretty dark as a as a group. They really had this. It, I've really never witnessed anything like it from any other political groups, from any campaign, from anything. They have this. Um, Really, really obnoxious, really aggressive. Uh, it's frightening. It won't be reasoned with. They won't be reasoned with. And it almost seems unreal. It doesn't really add up. Why are they, why are they so mad at us? You know, we were just asking what is the question, what is gender? And they were completely invited to participate in this discussion. And yeah, there's, there's just, there's just something like really, yeah, I've just never seen, I've never witnessed anything like it before. It's it feels cultish and scary. Yeah, thank you for describing that. <laughs> and I, I'm going back to the the scene of what happened at Speaker's Corner. Who called the police, and what role have the police played in mitigating what happened, and you know possibly holding the man, the, there was one man in particular who really did most of the punching of the woman who was filming them. He Was he arrested or what happened? How how have the police been involved? Okay, yeah, so um, it's Judy here. So I was one of the one of the women there who, who called the police. I think there were probably a few of us. As soon as I saw the violence perpetrated I I dialed nine 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 I was aware that another woman was also dialing, you know, the emergency number. Maybe others did as well. And so the police arrived within like five to ten minutes and they've been taking witness statements and gathering evidence and the the, the crime is currently under investigation. I think I think that's probably all all that we can say now given that you know, given that it is under investigation. Mm-hmm. And the man who punched the woman, there were others that harmed her as well, mm-hmm. as far as I could tell from watching the video footage, but I know that there was one mm-hmm. in particular that did yeah. the majority of it. He's he's just yeah. at large. He's he's free. There's, he's not in jail somewhere now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this all. There is very, very incriminating video footage. I've seen up on YouTube, you know, the video footage 
taken from all different angles that is extremely um, incriminating evidence. So all I know is that it's all under I would expect, given all, you know, given that degree of evidence, that an arrest made. But obviously, I can't say anything. Anything, um, you know, I don't have any further either knowledge, uh, kind of around that. But I would expect, I think there's there. It seems to me, for uh, for an arrest to be made. Yeah, one would hope. So moving now away from what happened at Speaker's Corner, can one of you describe what happened at the venue itself, kind of gives a play-by-play, and you can pass the torch amongst each other, too, as you talk about. Like, when you first got to the venue, what was it like going into the venue? And then how were people feeling? How could you just transition from what had happened at Speaker's Corner to having an intellectual discussion about what is gender? So did the speeches change at all? What was what was it like to get to the venue and what happened at the venue? Uh, hi, it's Cindy here. I can uh, give you a little bit of information on that. Um, I mean, as we dispersed from Speaker's Corner, it, was, it, it felt quite unreal. But as soon as we left in small groups, we deliberately didn't walk as one big group because we would be easy to follow. What happened then is we realised very quickly that they themselves had split off into little groups to tail us all the way there which was quite bizarre. By that point, it was mostly women doing this because the men who had been involved in the violence had, had run off, obviously, as soon as the assault had happened. So the majority of the protesters that were left were women, young women, um, and they sort of, you know, we tried to actually shake them off. It was all a bit bizarre. Uh, the group I was with, Venice and Venice's mum and another friend, we ended up getting in a cab to get away from them, which all just, it just felt like being in a film or something. It was like, this isn't really happening, is it, that they're stalking us there? But they were. Um, and quite obviously as well, with their phones, and with a sort of look of glee on their face as well, that was actually quite sinister, although we tried to laugh it off. So we finally get to the venue, and it seems like we've made it, um, and none of them have followed us, but it turns out not to be the case. Like a small group, I don't know, how many trips do you like, maybe 10 people? had made it there by following various other people that hadn't jumped in the crowd. And it, we then had a bizarre situation where some of them were in the doorway and we were telling the venue that they weren't to come in and they were trying to force their way in. And the venue, to be fair to them, they really didn't know what, what any of this was about. They just knew that one of their members had booked a room and some women were coming to have a talk and suddenly, you know, they found themselves in the middle of having to keep, keep the door of this place closed. Luckily, as a ladies' club, they had quite a lot of um, men working there who were immediately dispatched to uh, stand guard at the door. But we had to, at one point, I remember being at the door and seeing people that we knew coming and then having to sort of almost fight their way through this cluster of protesters at the door and then be, you know, quickly bundled in. So it was all very strange. But once we'd done that and we had a drink, which everybody really needed, we just sort of started to just get on with it. We were so determined to have the talk by that point that the assault kind of didn't register, which sounds really bizarre because you think you'd arrive and everyone would talk about that event, but actually we didn't talk about it at all because we were so concerned with making the talk go ahead. And I know, Julia, you felt afterwards, you know, yourself, that that was quite bizarre that we all did that. And we mm, about it. Yeah, yeah, I did. 
I, yeah, I did because, you know, the, it was really the next day I was thinking, oh, my gosh, like, that had only just happened. And then it all went ahead kind of as, it, as if it hadn't. But I agree. I think we were so much just absolutely on a mission that you were kind of going through everything in real time. And then by the time we'd had this weird experience of trying to the venue without, you know, trying to make sure that we weren't being followed. Then once we were there, we were just like intent on setting up all the tech and, get, you know, where I was really conscious that, that women who'd been waiting there for a while, you know, that they were waiting and it was like, and so I, I think that was it. We were just absolutely determined that the event would go ahead and I think it really took a while for the reality of all of the preceding events at Seekers Corner to, to sink in. I think that kind of happened happened sort of a bit later. Maria's amazing and she she's such a brave woman. Did she did she attend? Did I mean her name's out Trixie, so her name is out, you yeah. know. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I, I was. Well, I, I was. Can I just say? I was going to say like <laughs> the thing is when the assault happened, we didn't. Re nobody really noticed. Well, not noticed, but like it happened so quickly. And now mm. I have watched that footage again and again and again mm. um, from different angles, you know. But when it when you're actually there at the time, I mean the situation was 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 it, it was dark. And I was saying earlier yeah, it was dark undercurrent, mm. but it's all, it was also completely ludicrous. And, mm. and and I think we were all just a bit kind of gobsmacked at the sight of these crazy people and like their their crazy nonsensical posters and just like you know it was a bit farcical when this kind of scuffle happened we nobody nobody knew like right away exactly what had happened and Maria like you know she picked herself up like you know she picked herself up and dusted herself down and um, did she go to the venue yeah. It, it wasn't really till after after the event, you know, when we saw the footage and like even Maria, I think, you know, it took it took a while to sink in even mm. to Maria exactly mm. what what had actually just happened, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, because I think because yeah. I think like you were just we were just dealing with every thing as it happened at the time. So like there were you know this bunch of trans activists setting upon Maria, you know smashing her camera on the ground, punching her, and then we were calling the police, and then the police came, and then we were talking to the police, and then the next thing was to get, it was like, quick, now we've got to get on with things, and dealing with everything in a kind of, like, this sort of sequence that felt very, very pressurised. Then there was the whole question of, okay, then it's got cut short, now we've got to leave the venue. It just all felt very pressurised, and it was only really, I think, the next day, we just have a bit of a chance to breathe it. We just suddenly, you know, you just think then, oh my goodness, like what, like what actually happened there? But at the time, I think, I think that was what it was. That we're just kind of dealing with things literally on a kind of second and uh, kind of basis. Julia, did your talk change at the conference in light of what happened at Speaker's Corner? I just. As far as I could, I kind of stuck to what I was originally planning to say because by the time I was really conscious of the delay because, the you know, the event was supposed to originally start, well, it was it had originally been scheduled for seven and then, of course, with all the meeting point beforehand, it was going to be eight. Then by the time it started, it was getting on for nine o'clock. I was conscious that we really didn't have very much time and... 
I was aware that the women at the venue had also been at Speaker's Corner, so there was this kind of assumption that we'd all been through the same thing together. So it, it was basically like, okay, quick now, get on with it. You know, it, it didn't really seem like it, it was um, it was appropriate to spend a lot of time dwelling on what had just happened. So what I did was start off with the beginning of my talk, but then as I was talking, I mean, there was a, a, a lot of it, the bulk of it, get on to, which was around um, the original Gender Recognition Act and now the, you know, the proposals um, to, to review it. I didn't even get on to that part because as I was speaking, one of the organisers kind of basically up the talk to say, look, the, you know, the venue really, you know, is, are now saying that this this has to this has to end because there was so much noise and disruption outside and it was I believe it's quite a residential area, you know, there are people who live around there and so the you know, members of the of that of that club who for you know, a drink or whatever. And it was very noisy and very disruptive and very threatening. So they said, look, you really have to cut it short. So I then just basically finished the slide that I was on and then it went to the next speaker. And then the second talk basically, you know, um, 10 minutes really to get through the talk. Sheila Jeffries spoke for a couple of minutes. So it was all, like it was all kind of cut short. But I didn't, um, apart from it being cut short, I didn't particularly veer off topic. I um, Because I really, I think, I don't know, you can kind of maybe on reflection think, oh, should we have done that differently? But I think there was actually something good about this whole, the show must go on kind of spirit of it because we were really determined that that event would happen. And I think it was really, really important that it did. So I think it's to everyone's credit, really, that, that it did go ahead in that way. Yeah, and now there's going to be another event this coming Wednesday. Can you talk about what's happened since September 13th leading up to today, which is Sunday, and what is going to be happening on Wednesday, and if there's been any threats to what's going to happen on Wednesday by trans activists? Ruby, do you want to talk about that? Okay. Um What's happened since then? I mean, I, I'm not going to go into too much details about it, but I was, I, ha, I was actually in hospital the weekend after with nothing connected with this. So that, that was a bit of a, a strange thing. Obviously, the fallout was that we saw what was happening online. I think for me, the next day, that was when the kind of violence of it really hit, is to see the reaction online. And me and Trixie ended up staying up all night making the video that Julia was talking about of trans activist tweets as a way of sort of processing it, I think. So we made a video compiling what was in 24 hours after the event. And then it also started to hit the news a bit, so we were obviously keen to see what was being said there. And it does just turn into a sort of uh, every day we were waking up and seeing either that some new thing had been said online by trans activists, something else had been said in the paper, something else had been misrepresented elsewhere. We were just following these events. And, yeah, as I say, for a couple of days I was kind of in hospital, but pretty much on my phone the whole time I was there checking what was happening. I think at one point Benny even came to the hospital to have a meeting with me uh, about the next event. 
and it, it, it seems suddenly very urgent. I don't, I don't quite know why they didn't all say, oh, that was, you know, a really stressful experience. Let's have a month off. We kind of did the opposite and just completely galvanized to do something else. I suppose to just go with that momentum of it finally getting some press and people starting to talk about it. So, yeah, then, then this idea was put forward to do um, an event for the end of the Labour Party conference uh, that's in Brighton over this weekend and early next week. You know, Venice was quite involved with um, momentum. At the, I don't think she's as involved now, but to do with uh, getting Jeremy called in the leadership of, of Labour and the, and the movement that sprung out of that. So she was very keen to do it then. And it just, yeah, I don't know. It's like once you've got a plan, you feel... It's like something you just have to keep running with. So we have got something booked for next Wednesday, um, and we have not had a huge reaction to it yet, partly because we haven't put the venue online, we haven't put the speakers online, and it's, you know, we, we're sort of handling it a little bit differently, but it has started a bit. I have seen things on Twitter, have seen certain people on Facebook getting trolled by people saying, you know, you're not welcome in Brighton. So it's kind of, it has begun the reaction to it. How big it will be, I don't know. Um, there's a part of me that hopes that, you know, they're all just sensible enough to leave us alone and let us do the talk. Uh, I have a feeling that might not happen. What is the name of the event and what's going to happen at that event on on Wednesday? Okay, well, we decided to call this one Debate Not Hate, We Need to Talk About Gender, which is kind of like a, a, a little kind of uh, wry reference to We Need to Talk About Kevin, obviously. And what's going to happen at it? I wish I could give you a plan, but we're still planning it, so it's quite difficult to do that, mm -hmm. even though it's happening on Wednesday, because we're really just reacting, you know, on the hoof here. And... It, we're trying to make it come together. We, what we hope it will be is uh, a debate, what we wanted it to be in the beginning. And we're trying, you know, we have been over the last couple of days approaching trans activists, approaching people who might defend the changes to the GRA or speak about the violence. And so far I've had, you know, zero interest from trans activists speak other than, you know, the odd mutterings online about... Um, our event being transphobic, that's, that has started already. We have lots of people willing to speak on the gender critical side, and we're just trying to make it come together in the next couple of days, but it does feel quite urgent to make it happen. And you haven't publicized where it's going to be? We've publicized that it's going to be in Brighton, and Brighton has, you know, as a... As a City, is it a city Brighton? I think it is. You know, it's by the sea. It's it's very um, LGBT friendly. It's known for being that, and it's not you know intended to be a, a deliberate provocation. It's to do with the Labour Party conference. But um, I would imagine there will be some reaction. What we haven't done is publicise the specific venue, although we do have one, and I think mm -hmm. that's sensible. Yeah. Uh, uh, we so how are event goers? going to find out where the venue is in Brighton? We will just tell them the, either the evening before. I mean, you know, we're not going to do another secret meeting, I don't think, if we can help it. You know, we would like to proceed under the assumption that 
having a debate or indeed a talk, if that's what it turns out to be, is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And it's not something that we should sort of approach as though it is in any way confrontational or incendiary to have a talk about issues to do with the Gender Recognition Act. We don't know how people are going to react, but we will, of course, publicise the venue either the night before or maybe even that morning. As long as people know that it's in that place, it's not a very big place, it's close to the station, I think we can release it fairly late to avoid the campaign of harassment that New Cross Library has. Are you going to invite the police to come? Uh, we will tell them about it. I mean, we, we actually did do that with Speaker's Corner. We, we had informed the police of an event happening and that we'd had this harassment from trans activists and it had been shut down. We told them the whole story. We told them we'd be at Speaker's Corner. You know, they, they were mildly disinterested uh, and gave us a crime reference number uh, and said if there was any trouble to call 999. And I imagine, you know, I, I hope they might send a couple of people down maybe to keep an eye on things, but I don't necessarily think it's, there's going to be a heavy police presence there. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to say uh, about what you hope happens on Wednesday and any contingency plans that you may have for how to protect the event? Um, I think, you know, there, there's a number of different scenarios that could happen and we have to think through all of them, but we can't completely control the situation. Obviously, we really don't want there to be any violence there, um, but we do expect disruption. I think that's the most likely thing to happen uh, is that there will be disruption. You know, in, in the, you know, I've seen videos of it happening at other um, women's conferences and events where there's just a lot of shouting from the audience. And we are talking about ways to possibly, you know, plan things that diffuse that in a, in a sort of humorous and non-confrontational way. But I don't necessarily want to let the cat out of the bag with that right. thinking of just yet. Mm -hmm. So how do you think, in general, women in our feminist movement should move forward with organizing to have a discussion and a dialogue about gender politics? Do you have any advice for feminists who, you know, or women who are interested in this topic and want to learn more and would like to be able to gather to, you know, do workshops and, and educate each other about it. Any advice at all for women like that? Um, maybe, can I can I jump in here, uh, Cicel? Um, because I, I want to say like, just how impressed I am with the organizers of the last event and now this event coming up on Wednesday. I'm so, I'm so impressed and so grateful for their energy and their drive and their commitment. And I think it's the fact, you know, these women haven't necessarily been around as long as I have in the politics and as, you know, um, uh, uh, kind of veteran of all of these attempts of hacking uh, our events. But the fact that they, you know, they've, they seem to have um, grasped just how serious the situation is and what's at stake. And they've absolutely just gone for it and have been absolutely... 100% committed and determined that these events will go ahead and I think what, what what it feels like we're in the middle of here now you know in the UK is a really fast-moving um, changing situation where 
there were only really quite, uh, you know, quite a small handful of us who were aware of just, you know, the very threat that this legislation is and the whole the cultural changes are posing to women and also to children and it feels like suddenly that awareness is really becoming mainstream in a way that I certainly couldn't have predicted and I think it's so I just hope that this really stands as a beacon to other women across the world to, to go for it and take action in the way that these women have because it's the only way that um, that other people are going to start to understand what is going on that's you know purportedly the name of equality but is in fact such a very very serious assault on women's rights really absolutely um salute the organizers of the of these events yeah i second that right. <laughs> from from over here just watching all the media coverage and oh my gosh and being introduced to venice shortly after the the event set Speaker's Corner and feeling so much um, passion and energy coming from the organizing group and, you know, just the determination to stay on course and now daring only two weeks, two weeks, yeah, it's exactly two weeks after, mm -hmm. afterwards, daring to call another event to have a discussion about this topic. It's an inspiration. And so why don't we go around the circle and each of you can share some parting words with our WLRM listeners who are largely radical feminists and lesbian feminists. And thank you so much for being on this call today. I'd like to say that uh, women's concerns about this bill are about male violence <laughs> amongst other things. But you know, I think this event at Speaker's Corner, this violent assault, the way they have so unashamedly, you know, they, they've boasted about it, they've made threats online, they've been quite public about their hatred of women. And in a way, they've, they've proved our point for us. And this proves that this issue is really, really important. And we're right. We, we are fighting the right cause. And there's so much gaslighting. And women, uh, you know, I don't, so many women doubt this, that they're right about this, because we're being so heavily gaslighted. And I think this just has really galvanized us that we are absolutely in the right. All we did was ask a question, and they wouldn't let us ask it. And it, it proves it, this is what women have to be doing now. We have to be asking this question unashamedly and... It's just watch, watch, watch the chaos ensue. Just ask good questions and see what happens. And I encourage every woman to be asking this question: What is gender? All the time. <laughs> and uh, I think we have to be, we have to stop doubting ourselves now, and we just have to really like, you know, some people have drunk a lot of Kool-Aid, and they're not, they're not going to be changing their minds about this. We have to scare about them. That's not who we need to convince. Most of the population is totally on our side. They just don't quite realize how crazy the implications of all of this are. You know, everybody's, everybody obviously, you know, wants rights for trans people, and we, all, we don't want trans people to be, to be hurt or to be at threat of, you know, 
we want them to be safe, we want them to have the right to jobs, to housing, to all the rights, human rights that everybody else is entitled to. But, you know, this is a different issue than gender recognition act. And I don't think most people in the population are quite aware of, like, exactly, you know, the implications of this. And we really, we just need to be confident that we're speaking the truth and, and people actually do get on board. Um, most sensible, sane people agree with us and we have to bear that in mind and just and not let these bullies win because they're wrong. Thank you. That was Trixie, right? Yeah. Thank you, Trixie. Yeah, that was Trixie. Any parting words, Ruby? Uh, I'd like to say thanks for having us on. Um, it's been it's been a good chat. And for me, this is really just the beginning of being involved with this. It's been really amazing to meet Julia, to meet a lot of other strong women. To be in a group of women has been really revelatory to me. A group of women who are sort of trying to change things, influence things, and stand, stand up for themselves. And I've had quite a lot of reaction from, you know, other people to that galvanization that has also further opened my eyes to how important it is to have that kind of solidarity with other women as well. Um, and that's been a really amazing, beautiful thing for me, you know, in terms of friendships and also the wider group. So, yeah, thanks thanks for having us on. I'll, I'll pass over to Julia. Thank you, Ruby. Julia? Okay. Um, yeah, so... We really need to think back through our history and think about the many, 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 many ways women, well, in which there have been attempts to silence women throughout, um, you know, the the long and bloody history of patriarchy. You know, all of the different ways, from you know the scold's bridal to the uh, ducking stools, you know, plunging women into you know freezing cold rivers, um, witch burnings, you know, to um, medicating women to, with antidepressants. You know, all of these kinds of things that have you know been a very there's a very long and terrible history of men's attempts to silence women and I think we really, Trixie was saying that we really have to have confidence in our own perceptions and we need to speak honestly with other women about that and I think that's the only way that we're going to see what this transgender politics actually, actually is all about. It's, it's um, a very serious, I would say, you know, um, uh, potentially catastrophic assault on, on women's uh, even any women's sort of potential for liberty, and we have to recognise these silencing uh, tactics for what they are, which is you know a, a patriarchal silencing tactics. And I think the fact that the likes of Trixie and Ruby have just so bravely to do what they're doing, so that I think that really does stand certainly as an inspiration to myself, and hopefully as an, an inspiration to anyone, um, you know, anyone listening to this. Thank you for your parting words, and thank you so much to all of you for talking with me today. And certainly we're going to be online waiting in anticipation to see what happens on Wednesday. And I wish you all the best for what happens on Wednesday. Women absolutely have the right to gather as a people to discuss matters that are of import and impact our our lives and i'm just truly sorry that it's been so hard 
to get together and discuss in a civil way this new policy that's being pushed through in in your country. And I really wish you the best on Wednesday. I hope it goes well. Thank you, Cecil. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Enjoy the rest Thank of you. your night.